Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Autistic Broadcast News, an anchor weekly radio show. Welcome to my show. I am Maria Ilya, your director, manager, your host for Autistic Broadcast News Connected, and I want to welcome our guest, April John Grissom. So, hi, April. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So all these, uh, you know, things are happening in this world here. Uh, so, um, you know, I think the, post, the most important word is uh, in a poetic, it can sound like poetic, is be observant. What's your thoughts on be observant? Great. Sounds good. Yes, interesting, yeah. Because, you know, and I said, you know, be observant. And he goes, well, what? And the person says, what does that mean? I said, look, there's the bird. There's a snowy white egret bird. And they were, like, surprised. Like, wow, I never saw anything like that. I go, see, be observant. <laughs> so this way, you know, you don't miss out the interesting things. <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't want to miss that. you got to pay attention. Keep your eye on the ball. That's right. So what um what do you um like to share what's happening with autism or what's your thoughts and moving forward, uh, you know? Oh, I'm pretty much wide open for a topic. If you pick one we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um I um you know, what we'll say about the future for our children, for the children's autism future being, you know, well, a lot of autistic people, you know, have all these different gifts and talents out there. Some, you know, some are get get being supported. You know, some has to, you know, work on that and trying to get your, you know, it's like we we talked about in the past. It's getting your work out there, getting to be known. Okay. You know? Oh, for sure. And one thing I'd like to see, like we, like I would actually like to see um, a lot more focus on supporting parents um, because. Sometimes what I feel, like I've traveled around a lot by now and I've met a lot of autistic people and I've seen a lot of families and, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing um, for the last few years here. And one of the things that I observe is, like, we need more prayer and support. I really believe that. And um, and by prayer and support, I mean, like, I would like to see more respite hours given to parents. Like, parents need time to um, develop their own lives outside of their children, and I think that's very important for a healthy family, for a healthy parent, and for a healthy child, you know. So I would like to see more respite and parent support and teaching parents how to communicate with their autistic children. I want to see more focus on um, helping the parents. That's where I would like to see the future of autism go, because I believe that if you support the parents and you educate the parents, and you help the parents out, and the parents are allowed to have healthy social lives because especially their socializers, they need a chance to go out and socialize. If they don't, they end up on conspiracy websites and go into the dark side of autism. Um, So to be healthy and happy, I would like to see autism take on more focus on supporting parents and because if you support the parent, you support the family. Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, also, too, it's also out there too. Is um, sometimes um, like some places might have um, they try to do 
to do something different for, like, say, the museums. They'll try to have, like, or the, not the museums, like, um, like theater. They'll have, like, um, di- uh, for autism shows, for autistic people. So they dim down the lights. They will reduce the sounds of the shows. So, so whatever the sound effects for this amazing play uh, performance of uh, and the biggest theater in the world and this this death. So they would do uh, in another theater will show it for autism but they reduce the sounds and reduce the light. So that is great help for the understanding of noise sensitivity. That's one right. area of helping. And it's awesome, but also there's, an other, there's other issues around that because some children, um, that they get um, noise sensitive and be affected by other autistic people, um, like so some autistic people, they're not... Um, they don't. They vocalize, so they're not. They don't really have the speech, so their sounds are very high pitch. So that could affect one autistic child. The children who are being loud, or some kids are screaming, that could affect the sounds of an autistic person. So yes, in a way, they're working on the sounds for autism. But then you have, if you have a bunch of loud children, then then your your child will have a meltdown. So that I like to see also. A change with that is where can you go to enjoy, for your child to enjoy something and not have to worry about you know the sounds barriers for other people besides the crowds. Right. You, See, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Nobody really talks about that. It's Say that again. Where I live, so we 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 don't have you know like places to go. We oh, we don't. Depends on what we don't. Because yeah, we have, like, like we don't have like things like you would have in a city. Like there's no place or and and. Uh, oh, that's the city. For, I'm not from for, the city. I'm not from the city. So that's the city. Oh no. The city. Oh yeah. Because I'm, I'm like from I don't, northern I'm not, Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's too noisy for us. No, we're not from the city. Um, the city is uh, New York City. is very crowded, very lot of people, very noisy. Mm-hmm. The smells. Uh, besides the biggest theater, and other theaters will support. You know, you, you hear that. Um, no, we're, New York is a very, you know, it's a big state. So yeah. we're um, from Long Island. So on Long Island, oh. it's, it's like about an hour away. It's about uh, tra- traveling about an hour away, maybe more. It depends on the traffic. But it's totally different, oh, wow. the environment. Long Island is totally environment from New York City. So when people right. think New York, they think in New York City. Now, New York City like adopts. <laughs> yes. New York City is um, depends where part of New York City you're going to. And a lot of areas adapt, or not adapt, but uh, they'll have something from the different countries' cultures. So, like yeah. Italian, there's going to be a city will have a part of Italian area. Then there's a Greek area, a few Greek different areas. And in the Greek areas is known for either the shopping centers and the cafes. So, as a social piece in you know in Greece, the country is the the cafes, the Greek cafes. You sit out, you socialize, you have your frappes, the Greek iced coffees. It's something where they do mm-hmm. to socialize with the other people. I like so they have. <laughs> yeah, I'm just giving that's just uh, one, you know, one. Uh, 
that's one. So they have so they have different parts. So they'll have their great cafes there, and they have some food there, and they'll have their sweets there, whatever, just like anything else. And then you have the Italian, and you have the, the Chinese mm-hmm. section, you have, um, uh, um, you know, any other part of the culture. So there's different parts of culture um, from the different countries. Are does rep is, uh, is in part of the makes up part of New York City. So yeah, I think that would be want... so fun. To, I think that would be like a really fun. Fun, fun way to. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if you're able to, you know, to manage there and go there, and you know, if you don't, <laughs> you know, it depends on. Uh, and to get there, and parking is very. I need a um, taxi. I'd never be able to find my way around New York. I'm pretty sure I'd have to have <laughs> like enough money to take a job everywhere I go. Yeah, it's like I would get so lost. <laughs> Just like you know, for you, you have to don't you have to travel from away from you just to go into sh- shopping centers and to doctors and to specialists. Yes. You know, so it's the same yes. um, sort of in a different ways. Is the same idea, and you know, it all depends. And um, I think it's um, on the child of autism and uh, how sensitive they are to noise. And and I think as you as you age and as you get older. Sometimes you become more sensitive to more of the sound, so it's it becomes as a child, okay, I'm you know, when your child is little and it's noise sensitive, you could put him in the carriage and you could put the carriage, and if it's too much, you pick up the child, you put it in the car, and you just leave. But when the child gets older and older, yeah, it's you know you have to, um, you know, you know, make. Uh, you go different places, and there's too you know, and that's too much for that child. Then you don't go there. You go places where you know that your child can manage. You don't want to bring your <laughs> older child who cannot manage in a place because it's not going to be, it's not going to win. It's not going to work. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you know, a lot of that's common sense. Like my kids have grown up now, so, but when they were small, like I kept it to things that I know they could succeed at. Like you, you deep down as a parent, you know ahead of time if this is going to be too much or not. And sometimes it is just better to stay home. And I think it's hard to give yourself permission to stay home sometimes. But once in a while, you know, maybe you should. And I'm not saying everybody has to stay home, but me, myself, sometimes it's just nice to stay home. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting, you know, like the theory of it. That's all. I'm not saying who yeah. or whatever. I'm just saying, I'm just saying yeah, in no, general. It's important to have new experiences, but we can do them slowly at a pace we're comfortable with. Like, I'm sound sensitive, and when I've had enough of sounds, I'm done. I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you on that. Sometimes, you know, um, and people, you know, it is there in the world. Um, um, we we were grocery don't... shopping yesterday with the sounds, right? And we're in the grocery store. It's a grocery store I know really well. But uh, what happened in the grocery store is, like, you're there, and as I'm going through the grocery store, like, there's a penalty. Like, if I, the longer I stay in the store, the harder it gets for me to be in that store. So if I can be in and out real fast, it's not too bad, right? I'm not going to have a sensory overload. But, you know, we took our time a bit too much in the store yesterday, and um, there was too many people in the store for one thing. And, you know, actually, like, an autistic person works in that store, and they're fine with it, you know. They're doing really good at that job. But I was in there too long, and, you know, like, you're hearing the carts, like, you know, the sound of the wheels when they go over the cracks in the floor? 
They have those little cracks <laughs> in the tile of the floor. And every single shopping cart in the store, it hits every square as it rolls over the floor. So you hear quack, 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 quack. And it's not just my cart I hear. I hear the carts, all the carts in the store. And then you hear I, all the people, I, too. I hear you. <laughs> I and then, you know, like, we're trying you. to walk, and there's so many people, and I just, like, me and John are trying to walk. And I just said, like, um, you have to go first, right? Because sometimes if I get overwhelmed like that, I'll let him lead. And that way I can just follow closely behind him and not have to figure out how to dodge people. I can just let, because he's better at dodging crowds, right? So, because yeah. I started to feel like, you know, there's so many people there all of a sudden that you can no longer process or see them anymore, you know? And you start to feel like I'm almost going blind from being there too long and too many people and all of a sudden, you know, and I was just like, but he understands I'm autistic, right? So when I'm like, no, no, you just walk in front of me, he's good. He doesn't even ask questions, just does it. But, you know, like I had to get him to go in front of me because I had actually, it it did just kind of like, he just started, the world just started to spin, right? And so I just followed behind him and just kind of looked down and tuned, you know, like at least some of it out. But I was like, yeah, it's time to go. Um, but, it, it, but there's an autistic person that works in that store and they do great in that store. You know, like, it doesn't appear to be bothering them. They're doing well at the job. So it's not like all autistic people couldn't handle being in that store. But myself, now, like, if I'm in that yeah. store for more than 10 minutes, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I think, yes, because it's, the, it's so, because it's so many input, and that one particular sound you mentioned it, it's not just one cost, it's a 50 cost, it's a 100 cost, it could be 200 cost, whatever the amount of, of people using it. So that's, 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 over even, time, that, that ramps up, and then it goes up, yes, and, up, it and, up and up and up and then I'm dizzy. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't see, it was like almost like I was going blind. Um, um, so and yeah, I just fall behind John. Some people, <laughs> some on the spectrum, are more sensitive to different sounds, and some are not as much different sounds. So maybe for that um, that person in the no, storage, maybe too. maybe they learned, yeah. Like smells are that way. Like I'm one of those autistics that likes to smell flowers. I love to smell things. Um, but my son. He hates smells. We're polar opposites. You know, like, I make him homemade soap. It's plain soap. You can't put any color in it, no scent. He doesn't like anything fancy. This is how he prefers it, right? He wants plain white soap. It's nothing in it, nothing added, plain white soap for him. And then for me and the girls, we have, like, flower petals in there. And we want it, you know, uh, all different kinds of ingredients and colors and scents and no not for my son it's got to be plain so some of us like smells too but like the smell of household cleaners bothers my son so much that to use them you know after I use them I have to let him go outside so I can do that because otherwise he can't breathe and then I clean the house and I open up all the windows and then let him back in again after um, because if you use any type of cleaner he, he can't breathe like the scent of a cleaner will drive him nuts so if you have to, Definitely. If you there, to the there house, are different sounds. There are different sounds. It, it, it's more challenging for that individual on the spectrum, and and that particular sound is makes it more an overload and it's, it's more challenged to manage. 
and and that's that's and that's all good. It's understanding, but not every, and because I know autistic person is going to understand. You know, most autistic you know they're going to usually autistic people going to understand and they're an autistic person because they have autism themselves. And, right. and maybe some and maybe some autistic people they're not going to have the understanding. Just like uh, people are not disabled, they have understanding. And then other non-disabled people, they don't have the understanding. So it's a, right. I think it goes because they're all, and, and, you know, in, in the day, of the course of the day, they're all human. So you're going to have some, you know, understanding. They have, I want autistic person, this man says, like, but I don't like when people repeat. And then I said, I understand. You don't like, you don't like um, people repeat, but this autistic person repeats. Uh, this one yeah, has exactly. learning ability. Uh, uh, has I'll repeat. With their autism. And Sometimes I repeat. Every, I, I can't help it. And you know what else I do? I talk to myself all the time. I cannot help it. And that's all good, you know. So it, <laughs> is what, it works for you, you know. I mean, it's nothing, you know, you know, ain't wrong. And you know, you do things. Sometimes you'll take a drive. You take a drive over the water if that's going to relax the individual on the spectrum. So sometimes you do that because if you have too many kids, so you know the majority is yeah, the children. Yeah, let the kids get relaxed. So you want to do that for sure. I have four kids, so we like relaxed kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and or your child likes to be relaxed from the other kids because they don't want to hear the other kids. So you got you got. We to, we you have know. to um we have to make space, eh? Like we have um. Um, because, yeah, actually, like, you know, the kids like to take breaks from each other, and if you get them too close, they'll start getting on each other's nerves. And, I mean, if someone is starting to have, like, we're pretty good at telling when each other's had or enough or needs a break, and we've really worked on signaling that, like, everyone can do it now. Um, so when we see that somebody else in the house needs a break, then we all let them take it, right? Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, once you figure out how to do that, I mean, it gets a lot easier, but with multiple siblings, for sure, they've got to be able to get away from each other because the kids will get on each other's nerves if you don't, even all kids, even if they're realistic, um, it'll, it, they'll get on each other's nerves if they don't get a break from each other. <laughs> I'm playing with the baby Robin right now. He's like just a couple feet away from me in my yard. And, um. This this Robin's watching me. It's so cute. Anyways, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, understandable. I think that, <laughs> and, and and that sense for like you're talking about, if you're very intuitive to each other, you have and you are aware, and and you are aware without having a major meltdown or um, being overwhelmed. That is good, and this way you know where if you know what to do, then that makes it helpful to other people. Well, Right, you know like, I mean? because, okay, this is just me, but I find the best way to manage a meltdown is not to have one. Like, if you can avoid it, you know, and, and then, wait. all right, so once you know how, like, you know, you can't always avoid it, but sometimes you can. Um once you, like, you know, I find it helpful, and this is something that I didn't get to do when I was younger, it was understand why, so... Um, as an adult, you have the ability to, to now, now because we know what it is now, you know, that's given me a chance to learn how to try to explain that to other people, which is sometimes really awkward. 
Um, and then sometimes I do a really good job of it, you know. Um, it depends how clear I am that day, because some days, you you know from talking to me over the years, some days I'm really clear and articulate, and other days I stutter and I can't talk. Um, I don't know, I'm hopefully articulate today for you. <laughs> but, well, that's good. <laughs> but, you know, once you learn how to describe what's happening and you learn what causes it, because, like, what happened in the store... Uh, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have realized what my problem was, you know. I would have just been real moody and trying to get out of that store real fast. And the poor fellow with me would have been wondering, like, what my problem is. Um, And I wouldn't know what my problem was. You know, this way now um, I have the ability to know exactly, like, to recognize what was happening to me and what my problem was and a solution, like a way to... um, you know, get him to go in front of me so he can decide about dodging the people because I was having a hard time seeing them. Um, you know, and then I could just hang on to his coat and follow him, and it was great. And, you know, that's what, um, yeah. So when do you, you said, like, you, you you recognized this 10 years ago. 10 years um, ago, I wouldn't have known what my problem was. I would have been but, getting cranky. All right, so let's so know when why. did you learn when did you recognize all that, the sounds After of the bothered Well, like, I knew sounds bothered me, but I wouldn't have known why. Like, I wouldn't have understood that. Like, before, I wouldn't have understood that other people are not annoyed by the things that are annoying me. You know? If nobody has told you that this doesn't affect other people and that they don't think the same way as you, you don't realize that other people's thinking is not like yours and that their perception is not the same as yours. Like, these are all things that I didn't know. Um, you know, I was surprised to find out that people didn't think in pictures because I think in pictures, so you assume everyone does, and that's not the case. Like, that's surprising to discover. Um, and so, you know, someone that doesn't picture things might be surprised that I think in pictures because they don't. You know, they probably never considered that other people do that. So once you have the knowledge of what's going on, you know, you have the vocabulary to understand and explain what's happening to you. Before, I wouldn't have thought to myself, oh, you know, this is sensory overload because there was no word for that. I would have been just overloaded. I wouldn't have understood what was overloading me or why um, because it's not one thing, right? And I would be just no, it's a lot of things happening. I wouldn't have known how to ask for help, Um, you know. Yes, and it's a lot of like we might have been cranky. We would have like had an irrational, cranky, crying woman or something, and not knowing why. (laughs) Um, Because as well, like I said, even when people don't understand that, because they hear it, because that's what they're used to hearing. And it doesn't it doesn't give them an overload or it doesn't affect their ears. Right. So they, because they, they don't can't imagine they, why right, why it would bother me. Because they don't understand that you hear ten times louder than they do. So that is where it is. It's up all these people hear the sounds ten times louder than the average person would hear it. So this is why autism has more sensitive to the sounds and why it affects our nervous system, neurological system, why it, why we put us in overload because it's just too much or it hurts the ears. You know, it's all that. It's not just this noise that bothers you, but it also could be discomfort. Right. 
you know, like siren sounds, you know. So imagine you're driving and driving, you have an ambulance going by, it's the sirens. It's, it's like you feel like you're losing your hearing. Yes. So, and so that bothers you. And then you have to, like, when you pull over because the ambulance getting by, so you have to pull over. So you're like, or when you're trying to pull over, you have to put at least cover one of your ears because you have to, you know, and you just pull over because it's, that's how much it's like. It's like, you know, okay, let's go over yeah, now. Yeah, it's nerve-wracking. It makes, it's more, nerve-wracking. makes you more um, anxiety because you because yes. the the sound is coming so loud the and they're driving so fast. Anxiety, yeah. <laughs> and so the flashing The flashing lights, the sound, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. But I mean, but, that can't be helped, but it does wrap my anxiety up. But, you know, okay, again, before... I wouldn't have known what my problem was, you know, like I would have known that I was feeling anxiety, but I wouldn't have thought to explain, hey, I've got autism, and so right now I'm overloaded from your lights and your siren, and I can't stop shaking, you know. Um, So I wouldn't have had the words for that 10 years ago, you know. Oh, yeah, we hear you. I would have been just shaking. Sometimes, yeah. You know, um, because you know, sometimes uh, that has to go from when you're younger as a child. You never really thought about noise bother you. Nobody knew you were on the spectrum as a child, growing up. You all, you know, this is how you what you did. This is the things you did when this happened to you, um, without well, any understanding. Because they were they they did actually like they had me um, for years. They were oh. trying to figure my behavior out, but they didn't diagnose autism. And I think that's because they weren't aware that yeah, females could have it here. Um, you know, so they diagnosed my brother, <laughs> but not me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was like the female traits, I think were throwing them off a little bit. And I also think because I had trauma in my background, that that was also kind of misleading them because they were looking like, um, I think they were actually looking at the trauma so hard that that was all they saw. Um, so I think there was some of that, and then there was some, well, maybe she's deaf because I wouldn't talk, right? Like, they would say my name, and I wouldn't look at them. Or people would be talking to me, and I wouldn't say anything. So they thought I couldn't hear for a while. Um, but actually, like, I was zoning out, and also I hear a lot. Like right now, there's so, dogs barking, and they're. Uh, I would judge the dogs to be about two blocks away, and I'm hyper aware that there's dogs barking two blocks away. Like that's the type of hearing I have. I can also hear cars approaching the village on the highway, and I'd say they're about three kilometers out right now. Um, yes, the um, the other day, well, you know, we're by we went by the water to see the sunset, and um. And it was the first time you could smell the ocean. You could smell where you buy in the parking lot with the car. Looking at the sunset, you could smell the ocean. You could smell uh, the waters. You could smell, and you could hear the winds and the and the and the sounds of the ocean and the water moving. It was like wow. It was like I yeah, love ocean was, sounds actually, and I like to sit by rivers oh, to calm I'm down saying, too. Oh, Oh yeah, I'm saying this. Yeah, it, normally me. you don't hear it where you are, and that's when I when I, I actually heard it because I was not at the beach. I was like, you know, in the distance because I was in the car. So yes, sure. I, you know, and I was like, wow, it's like this is the first time you actually can really smell the ocean. You, see, you hear the mm-hmm. sounds of the water. It's like really interesting, you know. 
And yeah, yeah. and you know, sometimes I'll take the pictures of the sunset, and you know, it's pretty. Sometimes you can see the colors and stuff. It's nice, like the orange and the bright. You can see the sunset if you go at the right time. So sometimes the orange colors so strongly. But the different, mm. yeah. So the different sounds. So like here. So like, um, if somebody is um, an ambulance has to bring an autistic person to the hospital, you could, you could tell them that you no know, sounds because they're noise sensitivity. So, so the ambulance, um, because you're not going to, they'll have to put the flashing lights on, but the sounds they could turn it off if if it's an autistic person in the in their vehicle for the ride. So that they could do that part, they could do for you. Great. Um, they can they can make that accommodation. Any ambulance can make that accommodation if you ask the, on the driver. Say, look, it's um, the noise, the sounds. You know, what I mean, the flashing light bothers them. I said, okay, they could turn the sounds off as long as they have the flashing lights because they have to have that so they could drive faster to get you to the hospital. So that's why they used to, you know. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, you can I'm, like, a super cooperative in the ambulance. Like, actually, I'm very obedient. Like, if anything has happened to me that I'm in an ambulance, I am super obedient for staff. Like, um, I'm actually really obedient for nurses, too. Like, I'm really docile for nurses. I, when I was little, I was not docile for nurses. Like, for, <laughs> for you know, you'd have to have four people hold me down. But, uh, no, I'm really docile as an adult, and I sit very still for them. Um, and and I'm very patient. But I run social scripts, and I think it causes problems in doctor's office because I'll be, like, in a lot of pain, but I'll walk in and I'll be like, hey, how are you? You know, I'm running a social script, and they'll be like, oh, yeah. okay, so what's the problem? How are you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I'm doing good. Because you're not doing good, that's why you're at the doctor, right? So I might be too running a social script to be like coming off as hey I'm like I'm in office because right you're now. used to saying that right you used to respond that yeah. I'm doing good even though you might not be uh, doing medically be good that. you're just saying that because that's what you're used to how to respond in conversation sure and and you know and I also remember to ask them how they're doing um, because when I was younger you would say hi how are you that was manners and, and you know. So when I'm trying to be well-mannered to the doctor, they're thinking I'm not in pain. But I might, in fact, be in a lot of pain. And I'm just, like, my mother has taught me to have manners. Um, so I might say, how are you? <laughs> Terrible. Um, but, you know, and the other flip side of that is when I say exactly how I feel and that's not really what they wanted. So then eventually you figure out you're supposed to stay good um, because they told me that. <laughs> it was pointed out to me. Um, so it's you see you're good and, and you know, you've kind of right there blowing your chance at having a doctor check out why you've came. Um, you know, so yeah, and autism bodies, like our bodies, um the co occurring things that happen alongside it can have effects that are hard to explain in an ER. You know, like when your body does weird stuff that never gets diagnosed and every time someone sees it, they don't know what it is. They could see it's something, but they don't know what it is or why it's happening. <laughs> um, you know, that happens a lot. You know, it's like I can't believe my body's doing this either. Um, so so nothing really happens. And, you know, you, you, you know, like sometimes things flare on my body, 
and it'll be like five or six or seven years before it happens again. Or, you know, or it, things things happen to me that I cannot explain to doctors very well, even though I'm articulate. It's kind of frustrating sometimes. So, Do they feel you have, like, an autoimmune issue? Maybe oh, yeah, I think my dad did, too. Like, you know, like, me and my dad both did things, and they would always try Benadryl first, right? And so, naturally, the first thing, because I have all these allergies, and we know this, right? Like, I have, like, two hundred allergies. So the first thing I do, like, um, is try Benadryl. Like, if I'm having, like, my allergies affect me in different ways. Now, the, the amazing thing is I didn't end up with a bee allergy, like, usually people with a lot of allergies, you would think I'd be allergic to bees, but I'm not. I'm not allergic to bees. I'm not allergic to shellfish. And I'm not allergic to nuts either. Um, but I'm allergic to pretty much everything else on the planet. Um, so, you know, if I'm having a weird reaction, the first thing we try is Benadryl. And, and then if the normal Benadryl doesn't work, then I go to the doctor. Um, you know, so, like, sometimes you'll be there and you'll have, like, this big welt. And you'll be like, you know, you don't know what it is. Okay, well, they're going to try Benadryl. That's the first thing they try to And then they try Benadryl, and, you know, sometimes they don't know what to do. And then you all of a sudden you start trying woo, like, you know, um, which I don't do anymore. I'm more into science now. Um, but, you, but when you're, you know, when you don't, when you're not near a big center and you've got a big welt on you and it hurts and, and nobody knows how to help you, you know, uh, oatmeal, packing oatmeal on it is one of the things that I tried. Um, to get the swelling down. That seemed to be the only thing that kind of slowed the pain, actually, was I put oatmeal in an old pair of pantyhose, like tied them up, and put some oatmeal in the bottom of it and then used that as a compress. Um, that seemed to be one of the only things that took the pain out of those welts. But every now and then I'll get these welts like that, and, you know, you don't know why, and it'll last a month or two, and then it goes away. And when it's like it's very it's like uh, five inches up high, or is it like a, like a red a red oval on your skin? Well, no, it can change, right? Like it changes. Um, what they explained to me is that when my immune system goes down, my body like when when or sorry when I'm stressed out, I have a physical reaction to stress. Um, when I'm stressed out, my immune system it goes down and it like attacks my body is how that was explained to me, but I might not be explaining it very well, but I'm trying. Um, but, you know, that is one thing a doctor did explain to me is that, like, I'm not supposed to get stressed out because when I get stressed out, my immune system goes down. And when my immune system goes down, my body attacks itself. So I have, like, things going on like that, you know, where I'm not supposed to get Do stressed you think out. you and have, at the same um... time, I have... Um, severe anxiety which kind of like you know your co-occurring things can set each other off if you don't keep them managed so you have to manage the anxiety so you don't end up with big welts on your body yeah do you think you also have like sodiums because sodium taxes uh, tax against itself too I don't know what that is actually and like I honestly have no reason like I have no idea why my body does some of the things that it does like, I'm told yeah. some things might not ever be diagnosed. Because some, some of the things, like with me, like there was a lot of things that were, um, they were called undiagnosable back in the 80s, right? And But then, you know, years later, here I am diagnosed. Um, so just because something isn't diagnosable now doesn't mean it always won't be. 
But I did have really good doctors. And one thing, like, that's the thing about Canada is what I do go to doctors. Um, and even if we don't figure it out, it's not because the doctors weren't good. It's just because we just actually don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like that way for my son, too. You know, we're always trying to explain things and we don't always figure it out. We might not be able to is what I'm told. So so I don't know, you know, you just, um, that seems to be just kind of part of it. Um, yeah. But then when you try to explain this stuff, okay, to doctors, you like, I like to get a doctor. If I bond with a doctor, I want to have the doctor for the rest of my life. And what happens is I tend to stay with the same doctors until they retire. But then my doctors, like, I had my doctors for a long time, but then what happened is they started to retire and they all started to get really old. And now I'm only down to, like, two doctors that I had um, for different things, right? They're specialists. But I'm on the GP right now because I can't bond with the GP right now. Um, but uh, it's really hard when you have to talk to new doctors um, and try to explain this stuff. And you've got all this weird stuff that you need to explain about your medical history. And they're, like, looking at you all funny. Um, so it's better if you stay with the same doctor because then the same doctor will learn about your body and he won't be surprised anymore at anything. And and then, you know, once you get a good doctor like that, then then most of your stuff can get figured out. Like I had a um, the doctor that delivered my my three children, three youngest children, um, those, those kids... Um, their doc, like the doctor I had for that pregnancy, he was such a good doctor. Um, he he ended up being my doctor and picking out my other doctors. But you know, because he listened to me, like I had the same doctor for for all that. You know, I kept him for till he retired. Um, you know, he was just a good doctor, and then he he like understood me. So they called me his special patient. So he picked all my other doctors, and then. Because he's a teaching doctor, like, the other doctors were kind of scared of him because, like, he taught them. And he's, like, he was, like, he demanded, like, very high levels of, like, he was a perfectionist. And he liked things done a special way. Um, so he's a really good doctor. Um, but they were scared of him because he taught them. Um, so, so any doctors, like, they would always phone him if I was their patient because, um, because, yeah, cause they're afraid of him a little bit. But he's a really good doctor. Um, and, and you keep a doctor like that forever, and they get to know your body and what you're like and what, like, pain means to you. Like, you know, like he knows that I can walk in with things that other people would be screaming over, and I'll be sitting there and I'll be all calm, um, you know. <laughs> But, you know, we learned this, right? So so if I go to him and I say I'm in pain, well, then he's like, we better find out why, you know? And that's a good life-saving type of thing, you know? He's, he, that guy, he actually saved my life quite a lot of times. Um, he was a really good doctor. And I had, like, total faith and trust in him. So because I trusted him and because he was really, like, a really, 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 like, he wasn't just a good doctor, like, he was, like, one of the smartest doctors on this planet, I'm pretty sure. Like, he just, the man knew everything about everything, and I really liked that, you know? Like, I, I think his IQ was higher than mine, so that's probably why I, 
like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, it's somebody he knows more than me. I'm not going to argue with this guy. You know, like, he was really smart um, and a really good doctor, and he listened really well, and I just trusted him. And and uh, so we had a great relationship. But if you're trying to see new doctors all the time and explain autism, like, as soon as you said autism, you've lost them. <laughs> They got lost when you use the word autism. Not yeah, all doctors like, about autism. they start to look at you. Once you say you're autistic, then what happens is people kind of start to look at you funny, even if they're trying not to. Um, you know. Yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> yes, I guess maybe they're not familiar themselves. They can hear about it. Maybe they're not fully understanding. And either. then, I, yeah. So, anyways, I always feel like I'm not. I don't know. It could just be me, but. Um, Sometimes it goes really good, too, right? It all depends. But I, I prefer to have one doctor all the time than have lots of different doctors. Like I don't like to see different doctors all the time. I prefer to get to know my doctor and be like, hey, you know, you already know this about me. Isn't that good? Let's go. <laughs> you know, like get the checkup over with. Um, so, yeah, I think it's better to have the same doctor when possible. So that the doctors, when I was little, we used to have the same doctors forever. Until, yeah, until the, yes, it's as good so, doctor. You know, like you you'd have, it. like, like one doctor, like my dad's doctor. Okay, he was my grandma's doctor, my dad's doctor, and then my doctor, so that one doctor was with our family through three generations. So not only does the doctor know you, but he also knows your father, and then he also knows your grandparents. So the doctor becomes aware of, like, things that may be happening within your family. That doctor will have, like, a high level of knowledge about that because he's seen three generations of your family and even four um, before he retires. You know, so if you lived in a place like we did and you had the same doctors like that for generations, then you're not uncomfortable with them. You know, you're just born with the guy. Um, and and then when he retires, then once your doctor retires, it's hard. I find it hard once my doctor's retired. It's hard to replace a doctor that I can communicate well with. Yes, I hear you on that. It's because also, too, is also... Is getting used to a new doctor, and it's the, the, it's not just getting used to a new doctor. It's also the changes, the new change, and it's like because you're used to having the same person, and then it becomes, you know, you know, it's it's, it's sometimes can be frustrating or it can be overloaded, or overwhelming when you when you put that trust into that doctor, and all of a sudden. I I now, don't enjoy you know, going to the doctor either, right? Like I'm one of those ones I don't enjoy going to the doctor. Um, it's nothing against the doctors, but, you know, like, personally, I don't love sitting in waiting rooms, number one, which I don't expect to go to the front of the line. I don't want anyone to accommodate me. That's not what I'm saying. Like, you know, I can sit in the waiting room like everyone else. And you could probably put me last because I might be the quietest, most patient person in the waiting room some days. So, you know, I'll sit there forever if I'm there. But... Um, you know, eight hours later, I'll still be in the waiting room and I'll be reading a book um, and on the internet. And it's fine, I bring my phone. But I actually wouldn't, I, I'm a busy chick. So to go sit eight hours and eat to see a doctor, um, I'm probably not going to do that unless I'm 
think I'm dying. I, if I if I'm really worried, like you know, sometimes I want to know is this just like a freaky thing my body's doing, or do I have cancer? Can you check it out? Because if it's just a freaky thing my body's doing, I'll be okay. You know, um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it, I mean, if I'm in an ER, something's wrong. Um, if I'm at the doctor's office, if I if I actually go to the doctor, I'm at the doctor because I think something's wrong. Um, otherwise, the doctors are chasing me, trying to get me to come in for my checkups and reminding me that it's time. Um, and then I'm like, well, I really want to drive an hour and a half. Can we put this off? Um, which is how I really am. So, like, if the doctor has me for a while, that doctor will learn that he's actually got to hound me to get me into the office sometimes. Um so um, and then I'll go right but if I don't have the same doctor then I'm probably not going to go to the doctor so sometimes I won't go to a doctor for years um, because you know if I'm fine I'm not going to go to the doctor I don't like to go to the doctor Um, so yeah if I can avoid going to the doctors I will Uh, but you know yeah I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a pain in the ass that way. I just don't enjoy going to doctors. And I'd rather try to be healthy and not have to go. So if I do go, I, I, I want to feel heard, and I hope that they would look at why I'm there. Yeah. yeah. It can be awesome, so. right, because I'm not the best communicator. Yes, the communication is um it could be an issue not knowing what the acts are or then not understanding how you're speaking. So that could be a I that can could be a use big words too, right? Because okay, now now I have the big words down pat. So sometimes I know why I'm there. And then if I do know why I'm there I might drop a big word. Like, okay, if I'm there for something that I've been diagnosed with before and it's happening again, then I'll walk in and say, Hey, I've got this big word and they'll be like staring at you. Um, you know, because like, like, like if, 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 okay, a panic attack, the first time I had a panic attack, I didn't know what that was. The second time I know what it is now. So I'm not afraid. Right. So I'm calm. My heart's like hurting and, and, you know, you got the pains in your chest and, and, um, you don't feel too good physically during that time, but. Like, I've already been diagnosed with this before, so I know what's happening to me, so there's no fear, right? So I don't think I'm having a heart attack anymore. So I'll be, like, about this monotone while I'm having a heart uh, a panic attack. And and because I know what it is and I'm calm, and so I'll walk in and I'll be like, hey, I'm having a panic attack. How are you doing? Um, You know? And they're like, oh, good, it's another white woman, and she wants drugs. Um, So, you know... um. It's hard to ask for help like that, and and uh, I might not if I can avoid it. So yes. it's also that Panata- you might yeah. be watching Panata- for that. back two ways. Like for you, it feels like you're having a heart attack. It's not a heart attack. It's a panic attack. So it, because your heart is hurting, your chest is hurting, that's a panic yeah. attack. But, that, but they say that panic attacks come in two different forms. One, it feels like a heart attack, and the other one feels like asthma. So those, mm-hmm. are, so so even though, so you're not, let's say you're not diagnosed with asthma, and you're not diagnosed with heart disease, but if it's hurting you, the chest or the heart is hurting you, you feel there, then that you have the your panic attacks. It has to do with a, 
it feels like a heart attack. And then if, uh, or you're having trouble breathing, your gaps in for air, then you feel like you have an asthma attack. So yeah, I'm really calm feeling like I'm having a heart attack, but I know what it is. Like when I didn't know what that was, it was scary, right? Yeah. Because you think you're having oh, a yeah, heart attack. Oh, yeah, because you think, so yeah. So then I'd be I come screaming that. into the ER, and I'd be like, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> Just freaking out and scared, right? Like a mess, a total freaking out mess. And not that they expect, you know, they look at me and they'd be like, I think you're having a panic attack. And I'd be like, I think you're right, sir. You know? Um, <laughs> but, you know, and that panic attack would be diagnosed real fast. They pop an out of that under my mouth, boom, it's over. And with me, you might not see me again for another couple of years. Right, because mostly I'm actually very, and a doctor that sticks with me, um, doctors that have stuck with me through treating depression say that I have some of the fastest turnarounds that they've ever seen, and they've also said I'm very good at self-management. So I actually proactively like try to keep myself in decent mental health. Right, I'm not always successful, but I'm trying. Um, so, so, but if I go to the doctor, that means that it's time for help, right? Like, and I know it and the people around me know it too, because we don't keep it a secret. So, because the people love me, right? So if they see that I need, that if they start to see the signs, they'll warn me and, you know, it's time to go to the doctor. Um, and, and I like to have a doctor supervise me when I'm like that. I feel that that is the right thing to do. Um, Yes, if if you're at the point that, you know, you're beyond management, then yes, then you are correct and it's time to go to the doctor. But lately, like, because, like, okay, but, like, you have that thing, right? So I'm hyper, I, I, I listen to doctors talk all the time. So I'm hyper aware that right now there's an opioid problem. I'm hyper, like, like I know that there's problems with painkillers and I know that people want the out of bounds for fun. Um but, you know, I'm, so I'm not on medication because, like, it's too hard to ask for it. And um, a lot of it doesn't really work on me. Like, I've tried a lot of them. And, and this is the other thing. Like, I'm also kind of treatment resistant with that. I have not found um, very much out there that actually is doing anything. Like, I'll try them and I'll be like, this doesn't work for me. Like, Xanax, it does nothing for me. I don't even know why people take Xanax for fun. Like, I can't understand it because of me. Um, but it did, no, no, no. Xanax packs all, all those different things. So you're not, like, it, it, it's not doing nothing for me. But, you know, I'm still open to trying new stuff. When I'm really depressed, I'll consider it. But at the same time, it's too hard to ask for that kind of help. Um, but the last doctor I, that was treating me, he says I'm doing really good. And because I am managing it well, like I am not screaming um, uh, and I'm quiet, uh, you know, they're okay with me. Like I have an emergency prescription I could use if I really needed to. But that one is an autism drug and it's a dirty drug. Like it's going to be really hard to go on and really hard. I don't have it on me and I don't know what it is because as soon as they uh, explained <laughs> going on and off the drug that it's hard I'm like hmm this sounds like a something I don't want because I don't want to go through withdrawal that would really suck like and I'm told that if you decide to go off that again the withdrawal is really dirty and really bad um so it's kind of like something that would treat both my like it, it would be both for 
it, it would it would help me focus and it would treat anxiety at the same time, but it's like kind of a dirty drug. So I haven't taken it. Um, I don't have to. Like it was just like in case I'm stuck um, and I really need help. Uh, but I, um, yeah, so so basically we're not using that now. But if you have the same doctor treating it all the time, I mean, you don't need to explain these things all the time because they get used to you and they get to know you. Me will know that I don't like to be too drugged up or it's going to hurt my art, right? Like I have that creativity that I don't want numb too much. I, I need enough creativity to make enough money to feed my family. So I really need my art. Um, so for me, it's not like, hey, I want a whole bunch of drugs. It's like I want as little drugs as possible because I'm scared of numbing out my creativity and getting sucked into the couch. I cannot be sucked into the couch. I have yeah. a family. You can't suck me into the couch. I've got to be able to work on whatever medication I'm on. It cannot prevent me from working. So this is things that you need a doctor to supervise and negotiate, like to find the right balance. But if you're not paying attention and they just want to get you out of there or they're not going to be the same doctor all the time, I think it's harder to find that balance. Like, I think you need to stick with one doctor to treat the entire episode of depression and hopefully every other episode that you have after that forever um, would be ideal. Yeah, so so that's good that you can manage without that. Without medication for anxiety, or like you said, or right. for something that's else. not really autism, though. Like that's co-occurring, but you know, like the, they kind of play. Like one will play off the other, um, if that makes sense. You know, so like okay, the sound of the barking dogs, like the the, the dogs barking a couple blocks away. You know, that triggers like um, um, uh, it's it triggers a panic in me. You know, but it's just the barking dogs. Um, but when you're younger and you don't know what all this stuff is or why it's affecting you, that's pretty scary, I think. It's better when you have the words and know what's happening. Because as a child, when you were a child, nobody knew what noise sensitive was when you were a child, little girl, when you were growing up to a teenager. They did figure out, like, they did, like, like eventually. Well, because you have a meltdown, right? So my parents actually had a high incentive to figure out what I liked and didn't like, like what I could do and couldn't do. Like we learned that I can't always go to the birthday party. Um, it's not because I don't want to go. It's because I'm having a giant meltdown before the party. Like, you know, I wasn't very fun like that as a kid. You know, I'd want to go to the birthday party, but I'd be at the door going, I do not want to go because I'd be too scared. Um so sometimes I couldn't go to the birthday party, and it wasn't, you know, my mom tried to help me get there, but I just couldn't do it. Because uh, a birthday party is when you're a child, is or it's a lot going on, kids are very loud um, because they're excitable, Open who got, uh, no wants to know who, what the birthday person has, you know, all that excitement, and you got all the children excited and talking to each other, so it's not one child talking, you got about a lot of children talking at the same time, you got all the adults having conversation, so it's more than one thing that you have to manage, and then there's balloons, and when you're a child, they don't really do that today, but back then when we were kids, they, they in birthday parties when you're little, they'll pop balloons, and it's like, it's like, 
and and then you're in tears, and they will say, but you're not a baby. No, it's not about you're not a baby. They don't understand how much that affects the year century, even though we didn't know idea what those words were. We didn't know idea how to to you know to explain that because we didn't right. have that kind of language, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, you know, you know like so, parents, yeah, so it's understandable. Yeah, I was a lot louder when I was young, eh? Like, it's hard for people to imagine that I was much louder when I was young, like, but I was more quiet at the same time. Like, like when I was young, when I was really young, I had a lot of meltdowns, like, really, really noticeable, legendary, never-to-be-forgotten public meltdowns. Um, so, actually, like, you know, there's people that watch me grow up, where I grew up um, uh, when I was in elementary school, especially, you know, um, I think they do know what triggers my meltdowns um, because, you know, some people maybe don't do that to me, you know. If you like me, please don't. Um, But, no, now as an adult, now that I've, like, got all these new words and this great new vocabulary, which is ever-expanding and changing and, uh, you know, um, I live in a fairly geographical area, uh, isolated. So actually, like, I would describe my, okay, as an advocate, like, I would describe my vocabulary as ahead of most of my geographical area as far as, like, being PC goes. Um, but compared to, like, a university student from the States, then I would, like, sound terribly ignorant, I imagine. I'm pretty sure. I have a lot of work to do, so I'm always watching the young people to try to pick up these new words, which I very quickly forget again, Um, but I keep trying, and I've learned to Google a lot to find out what the young people are talking about, um, to find these new words, so, so, you know, um, yeah, I totally went and lost my train of thought on you. No, we were just talking about the birthday parties, how overloaded yeah, it was so when you were a parties. little girl. Yeah, you know, like it would just be too much for me, and I would get so anxious before the party that sometimes I couldn't go, you know. Um, but my mom, she used to try to make me go to the birthday party. She really wanted me to play with other kids. But if I just couldn't do it, I just couldn't do it. Now, when we have large family gatherings, because my family knows that in order for me to have dinner with my family, like uh, beyond me and my kids, like when we start adding parents and grandparents and cousins and uncles, and I have a very large family. Um, so when we have family gatherings, there will always actually be a room for me and my kids that we can go to to have quiet, and it's always been that way because they've known since I was a little kid that I can't handle the crowd for very long. Like my parents understood that without a diagnosis because it was obvious. Um, so in order to get through, like, a family dinner, there will be a room for me that I can take breaks in or I may have to go for a walk or sometimes I just can't make it all the way through um, and I have to, you know, leave. Um, but, they, you know, they understand that about me. Um, if it's too many, too many, like, sometimes I'll try real hard, but, like, let's say you have those situations in life where you're stuck with too many people for too many long and too tight a living space, and it's too much happening for just too long, Um, then in that case, like, I can get right out of the house, and we have a girlfriend of mine, her name is Irene, and uh, I'll go to Irene's house to get a break from my bustling family, which is very large, to have a little bit of quiet, 
and then like you know um then go back to the baby family um so there's always somewhere that I can go um as part of the plan to have a break actually that is part of uh, my life's success I also like to have my own hotel room when possible right because I like to have my privacy if I have to have meetings in town so that I don't have to like be randomly socializing and loitering all day I'll sometimes get a hotel just so that I have a room I can go to if I have the money to do that I will have a hotel room to have my own space um in between meetings um yeah, and that's why, you know, for where you, you know, you know, for you were growing up, so that's why you understood your children. So that's why you understood the children's language, your child's language. Right, because they said up. that was a benefit to my kids, actually. They they said that, that because I was autistic that it actually benefited my kids um, because there is things that I just understand like, there was things I think we might have got diagnosed sooner if I understood I was this way sooner. Um, because, like, I would they'd be like, is your child normal? And I'd be like, sure, you know. Um, because isn't that how babies are? Because um, that's how they are in my family. Uh, so, so I think, you know, um, yeah, I think... Um, it is the key they because say that it benefited them, and yeah. and I do understand things like stimming doesn't bother me at all. You know, some parents are driven absolutely nuts by stimming. You look at the forums on the internet, and they're like they're crying, they're upset about it. They're like, my child, it keeps moving this way, and we're upset, and like I don't even notice it. You know, like yeah, okay. Yeah, because the bars of because I do it too. <laughs> right, like but I'm a pacer. I gotta get up and pace. Um, to talk to you, like when I'm talking to you on the phone, I'm pacing around my yard. And, you know, I'm even working while we talk on the phone. Like there's enough light for me to kinda of be weeding the plants a little bit. So I've been kinda of working in the garden a little bit while we've been talking to you and walking around and my body keeps moving and that's kind of like a stim with me. Like to stay really focused with you, I'm pacing. Does that make sense? Yes, I understand. Yeah, so I'm that's like that. The, like that's a stim. Bothers other people. Yeah, that the sure. stuff. Like that can drive other people me. nuts. They're like, you know, and also I become like aware that like if I jump up too fast to pace, that it scares them. You know, like if I jump <laughs> up real quick and start pacing, I've become aware that that actually scares people when I do that because they don't know what to make of the energy that's coming off me when I jump up and start pacing. So one of the things I might do now is rather than have them be frightened by my energy I might explain my energy and say you know like I'm actually like really full of energy right now and I just need to pace and it's just a thing that I do to relax and it helps me think when I'm talking on a phone in order to do really good with the conversation and still stay like focused and relaxed um, like right now we're going for a walk by my blueberry patch I have an incredibly large garden um, that allows me to go for walks without leaving my yard um, so, you know, we go for a walk by the blueberries while I'm talking to you, and I go for a walk by my rhubarb and my lilies, and and uh, I got raspberries and a pear tree, and I kind of like, you know, all my lettuce and, and just kind of weeding around and pacing, and it helps me talk to you on the phone um, and stay relaxed. Um, yes, if that's, you know, helps. 
you know, like you said, like family members sometimes um, other people don't understand. So then they become very this, loud. With, the, not the loud, but they become very negative, and they get very upset. And then that affects the child. So Yeah, the best thing the is to just let me pace. Because it's not really hurting anyone. And then, no, it's like, not. And the people that I love me, like the people in my world that have always loved me, even without diagnosis, learn these things about me. And they mostly just let me be. And, you know, um, I do things the way that I do things, and I have my own way of doing things. And most of the time, they just leave me to do it my way, and it's okay. And it gets done. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes, if that's the way it works. Sometimes so, we walk that too, like, But yeah, mostly I'm like, I try to be real positive and stuff, and I think a positive attitude is really important, but I don't mean that in an ableist, everybody, if you just think positive, it will get better way. I mean, like, for myself, I actually do try to stay positive. Um, but I don't always win. Uh, <laughs> but mostly I try, you know. Um and and mostly I feel positive, too. This week I'm not that positive, so I'm really going to apologize if I'm kind of a downer. Um, I'm trying to, like, pull up my big girl panties and quit doing that. Um, so, you know, bounce back. And uh, working on that right now. And I have a lot of other things I'm working on, too. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I see you have a painting up with... It looks like April is looks like April. Uh, you you look like you painted April in a puppet. Yes, and it's got a hand above me there controlling my uh, strings. And I guess the puppet she doesn't like to be controlled by other people. You know, I I don't like other people putting words in my mouth. I don't like other people telling my story. I don't like other people telling me what I have to say because I'm a free woman, and I'll say what I like, and I don't like other people, like, trying to manipulate me and things like that. Like, if I feel like, if I feel like people are trying to use me or manipulate me or control me or configure me too much, assimilate me, make me be something I'm not, then I might just say, I'm going to cut these strings right here. I've got this pair of scissors in my hand. And I'm just going to take these pair of scissors and I'm going to cut these strings. <laughs> yeah, so you see that, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, um, that's a good indication, you know, how people how people treat people. And it's, it's a good message, you know. Good yeah, I think it's just like, you know, sometimes it's just a part, right? You're just reflecting your emotions. Um, in, in a painting, like, I, one of my managers, he told me to, what, like, they asked, why is she always paint portraits of herself, right? Like, is she really vain or what? But the reason I do a lot of self-portraits is it's, it's a challenge for my mentor. My mentor wants me to do 300, um, he wants me to do 300 self-portraits. And we're not joking, like, he really wants me to do 300 self-portraits. So that's your goal, to make 300, uh, so... So now one is like a puppet, so then another one is going to be something else. Um, how There's you dealt with noises? Um, 
Yeah, and what happened is, I've, like, I don't have a deadline on this, but i got to make 300. Um, so what happened is I was going really good on the self-portraits for a while, and actually I heard that negative comment. They're like, geez, why is she always drawing herself? And then I quit doing it, right? But up until then, I was doing the self-portraits, and I was, like, thinking really hard about them and, and uh, drawing inspiration from other artists who are very good at self-portraits. Like, uh, the way I like they. The, 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 the way I like the way um, they express themselves in their art, like their deepest passions and feelings and what's going on in their head and what's happening in your world today and telling a story. So when I started to do the portrait stories with them, to throw a little something in there, a little bit of emotion or some thought or an indication of transition, um, what's happening in my world at the time is reflected in the portrait. Uh, when I make them. So like that one portrait, it's actually been um, used for a few different movements. Um, and it was called No Comment. And it was actually originally a political statement. Um, but then it ended up getting picked up by um, um, groups that felt silenced. So then other movements started to use that one where I have the, the there's a hand over my mouth. And, it's, and so it was originally called No Comment, but it was renamed uh, to Hush by some people. Um, <laughs> it's had a few names put on it out there, depending on how it's being used. But, you know, that was a, a piece that people found powerful. So it was actually, that one's been published a lot. Um, because it's, you know, it's like that. So so you do the self-portraits to look at yourself. And, like, if I'm going to draw other people, I should uh, be really good at drawing myself first. And pretty much my mentor would like me to do 300 self-portraits. So um, I'm, i got to get back on that. But like I said, my confidence when they're like, how come she keeps drawing pictures of herself, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of got in my head. It shook my confidence a bit, which usually I'm better at tuning that out. But sometimes I'm fragile. Um, so I don't know. It just kind of got in my head, and I quit doing the self-portraits. But I actually need to get back on my selfies because – I shouldn't be ashamed of trying to better my art like that. And I am a model that is right here all the time. And, you know, I might as well screw up my own portrait instead of screwing up someone else's. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you can do and do. Um, if you do a portrait like you did with this puppet and um, um, do something... Well, it'll be a neat one, like with you in the party, like you are in another room because you're and show a picture like holding yours because you're in an overload sound. And you yeah, so yeah, room. you can put some tears on there too. Um, yeah, that's actually a, you know that's a tough one, but then and, and when you when it's like that, like when when you're trying to have dinner with your family and it's too much for you. That's actually kind of very upsetting to go through because you want to be out there with everyone else and you really do want to participate, but it's just too hard sometimes. So you you just can't. But but if I take a break, then it's okay. Like, Grandpa, he was really cool because, like, after I was diagnosed, and Grandpa, he, like, started trying to use the language with me and... So we were at a big family dinner, and he leans over because, like, I'm sitting at his feet, and he's sitting on the couch, and then I'm sitting kind of, like, right beside his feet. He leans over to me. He's like, hey, April, how you doing artistically? 
you know, and that was his way of like trying to ask me how I was doing with the crowd. Um, and I thought that was really awesome and understanding of my grandpa. Yes. So, so you know, after the DX, was in- we began to have this language that we could use to describe, you know, things that we always knew, but now we understood better why. Um, he was in tune to it. Yeah, he in tune so he was like he, he was immediately it. tried to communicate with me with it. Yes, as, as and it's so good, good have... you know, like he understood that, and he understood that was part of the autism without like me having to tell him because they did know I always like because they did provide a room for me, right? Because I couldn't handle the crowds all the time, I just couldn't. Um, you know, sometimes I could and sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes I can put on, you know, like I'm a lot older now and if I know I've got to go sound good on a microphone, I'll take a lot of time before that to prepare, you know, so that I'm ready for it. So before I do a talk, I've had time to myself both before and after, um, like before to to keep my mind calm. And then prepare myself to do the speaking, and so I'll give a real, I'll I'll give a talk, and I might do a really good job at that talk. But then after, you know, for the rest of the day, I'm actually kind of done talking to people. I got to decompress, and and I'm good. So if I give a big talk, that might be enough for one day, um, you know. Yes, that sounds that's good. When you have somebody understand without sharing the words, that's good. Yeah. Just like you understood, it's like that like you understood your children because you're also on the yeah. spectrum. But Great. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, yeah, so that's not, you know, it's not a huge stretch for me. Um, a lot of things that would upset people that, you know, I, I, I don't even know that. I don't notice them. But I think if you explain things, like, I'm still awkward explaining things, right? Like, it's I didn't grow up with my DX, so I'm still learning how to, like, in real life, talk to people about it as we go, right? And so pretty much, like, the whole world has seen me learn about my own autism. There's a record of that just through your shows, Maria. Um, The whole world has seen me learn about my own autism, and the whole world has seen me go through the stages of learning about my autism. I did that pretty publicly, so... You know, you guys were all with me while I did this. <laughs> yes, you know? we had uh, we did have multiple show, shows, and we talked about autism, about your artwork, and how uh, as your art, how you, as your own business. Sure, and, and no things change. Like I'm sure that over the years, if we were to listen to all the shows we've done together over the years, we would see a change in you. You, if we were to go back and listen to all those shows, we would see the views of autism changing, um, even within just us. Yes, because sometimes, like you said... Uh, There's a record of that, have, yeah. And also you might have the words, um, um, not then, but you might have more different words to to explain more of the story uh, maybe this time than you did a year or two ago. So then you right. explain the same story. So you could say you could say share your own story 
uh, more than multiple times, but then it'll have a different impact to it when you're using your words because then you can explain it in a different way or similar ways, but, you know, with another language that obviously gives yeah. a different meaning <laughs> to it. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, um, geez, we've been talking together for a long time now, Maria. You're now one of my oldest friends. Yes. Uh, we've been doing <laughs> radio shows. I've been doing uh, radio shows for Anchor for six years since 2011. So it's been over six years. More so, than and then years. we met in 2013. So I've been doing shows with you since for four years. Yes, and I started my Holy first show. Holy so we've been friends for four years, Maria. <laughs> yeah, and I started Anchor with Anchor uh, in uh, 2011, but I start, uh, but actually seven years with Leo because we talked in 2010 with Leo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's um, actually be seven years in September because that's when Leo and Charlie they called me and and um and they, you know they told me I'm I'm the what recipient for 2010 for for visual arts and six of my paintings you know one it was in you know, yeah. you'll see it through the anchor videos if you look at 2010 for the international artistic people's Awards, you'll see you'll see uh, in the um you know the big screen you'll see when they came out with my my picture and my name, that I was a what recipient for visual arts, you'll see all my six paintings. Beautiful. I've seen your art. And, uh, yeah, you. I did see that. And congratulations, Maria. You are a very Thanks. talented artist, and you're also a very talented poet. Thank you. So, and, um, and then I got, uh, oh, yeah, in 2012, um, International Tips People's Awards Award recipient for 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 literal arts. Right. And then 2011 award recipient for community mentor for my organization for Athena Autistic Artists. Sweet. Yeah, yeah you've done okay. awesome with all that. I mean, one thing you've done is you've given a lot of time, a lot of your own time. To the autistic community. So you've given, like with your radio show over the years, you've given your time to other autistic people and also um, healthcare workers and their parents. Um, so you've helped create a bit of a community with your shows. Like you're very much a community creator through it. And you brought a lot of people together. And you help um, open up a lot of dialogue and talking. You know, like, everything that comes out of my mouth is not going to be politically correct. I don't think it's possible if you're raised where I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's not. Um, you know, but, you know, we're trying our best. And everybody's trying their best. And, you know, we do the Bye, best that we phone. can. And it's not going to be perfect, you know. Nothing nothing is ever perfect. But what you've done here, it's really important, Maria. Like, this is, um, you've got a lot of record here of a lot of autistics developing and learning about their own autism and how we've changed throughout the years. These are things that could be very, very important to science. I mean, if some scientists wanted to sit down and go through your shows, they could probably learn a lot about autistic people and how we see ourselves and how we see our autism and what are we concerned about 
and you know not not just me and you but you and everyone and you kind of pulled everyone together like that and you really told a story over the last six years Maria um and I think what you did was something very important you know and I really want to thank you for that because sometimes when you do work like this it's not really full of a lot of thank yous and sometimes you might be taken for granted I really want you to know that what you did and all that time you put in and how you were always there running that show for the autistic community so the autistic people could have their own radio show. I really want to thank you for doing that. Like as an activist, that is an incredible thing that you did. And you're a real leader, Maria, and I really want to thank you for um, giving that to us and giving yourself and giving us your time. You're welcome. And letting you know five of my poems for the little arts. Five. <laughs> Drink back to <Yeah>. your poem. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So yes, awesome. you got the poem for literary arts. You you got that award too. Yes. Um yeah. yes, I did in two thousand twelve. Congratulations. And then yes, I was so yes, so I got that too. I was I yes I was uh, uh, I, I received um, received the award for three years in a row. Right on. <laughs> and then I did I did I did submit in, um, you know, <laughs> or I got nominated. So That's um, awesome. but it's just yeah I got nominated for other things, but it's exciting just to be you know, just to be nominated to feel being a part of it. For sure. You know? And it's awesome to see other people when, when um, you know, there was an award recipient or a comment second or third, and you know, and showcasing their work too, is giving more opportunities. And now you see more and more other countries are coming in. And, yeah. And showing so for sure, it's really growing. Yeah. And now it's see. going all over Asia. It's growing. Yeah. And yes, it's going it all is. over Asia now too. Like Asia is on board. Um, so yeah, it's actually it's growing. There's quite a lot of the countries involved now, you know. And new things and new groups and new movements, they always take time to build. You know, you start with small, and you can build up from there. And that is something that you can really see over the years is that how it's building. Um, you know, I think like the first time I went, I didn't fully get what was going on, right? Um, and you go back and you go back. Um, and you make friends and, you know, you, um, you you get to hang out. You meet each other every year. We support each other on the Internet. And we go on vacation together. I mean, we've had some pretty incredible um, autistic adventures. I've met some incredible people from around the world. Like, everywhere I go, I've made friends um, with it. And uh, it's been really good, you know. Uh, it got me out of the house. So I wasn't getting out of the house much before, um, but I actually did to learn about autism. I did get out of my house. You know, I was very agoraphobic. I didn't want to go out anymore. I didn't want to talk to people anymore. But I don't know. When I got invited for a award, I was like, well, I promised my dad I would go do it. My dad was dying, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get this. Um, and... Um, so I kept, like, he died, right? So I kept his promise. Like I, I went in and I kept my promise to my dad. And I went out to the awards. And I went on a trip. And 
you know, my dad told me to travel more, um, do that. That's one thing he didn't regret about life was all the traveling we did, you know, keep doing that. Um, so I went out and I went and I got that award. He got me out of the house. And next thing you know, I was doing like all this stuff with it because I wasn't a hermit anymore. <laughs> and you, so you, went to, you went two years in a row. You attended, I did. You I did win two years in a row. I was first. Yeah. I, I tied third with uh, Silk Hayer and I from Silk's from Germany. And she's like this amazing, awesome illustrator. Like she's in incredible art, and she's like a really interesting person. Like, and she's really cool and nice. Like, I really like Silk. Um, me and Silk, we tied for third. Um, Canada and Germany tied for third for visual arts. And then the next year, I got um, the the Community Achievement Award um, for my volunteer work in the way that I use my artwork. Um, and my work with the autistic community. Yeah, you were, you, so, was not a award recipient for you for the community mentor? What's that? No, I was a community achievement. A community Sorry. achievement. And what, and you came in as a recipient or yes. you came in No, I, I was a recipient. Like, like I got uh, first place. Yes. I, yeah, I was a recipient for community achievement award. Because um, that was because not only that you taught art to other autistic people, you taught art to the yeah. people who are not autistic. You also you built your community for autism. They you got able to showcase your artwork through your community, and they got to know you. Yes. Yes. Even I though you exhibit to raise autism awareness in our community, because a two-year-old got kicked out of a restaurant for making happy autistic sounds. So instead of responding with my anger, I tried to respond to that. Well, I did respond. They got an angry letter from me. Um, but also um, I I tried to respond with education. So instead of getting really upset at everyone about, you know, the way autistic kids are getting treated, I decided to change their view of autism and give them something to think about and open a discussion and talk about what autism is. So I wanted to use my artwork to get them talking about autism, you know, so we wouldn't have any more two-year-olds kicked out of restaurants for being happy. That was something that made me really sad. I was actually going to do my exhibit on uh, the the torture of forests. I was going to do, you know, because that's what I was into at the time. Um but last minute after that, two-year-old was kicked out of the restaurant. I decided to change the subject. I decided to focus on autism, and I decided to do the dot art show. So I was only 21 days before the show when I decided to change my subject. So I had to do 40 dot art paintings to fill the gallery, and I did it in 21 days. So in those 21 days, my grandpa died. So in those 21 days, I took um, almost a week to go to Edmonton and back and bury my grandfather and then I was back out dotting to get the show done on time. Like, I immediately come home from burying my grandfather and went to work dotting again. Um, I was actually, it was sad. I have this one dot art painting that's not for sale. It's the Celtic cross one, the big one. Um, it's like four feet. And that Celtic cross one was actually what I was painting while my grandpa died. Um, you know, anyway, he was dying. And I kind of put all my grief into that painting. I was thinking of him, and that's why. It's like a style I thought he would like. And 
and I reflected, like, you know, his faith in God and who my grandfather was and how he saw the world. And it's kind of like a stained glass church window, right? It's kind of going to church with my grandpa and his love of God and blah, blah, blah. All of that, right? Like, things that were important to my grandfather kind of went into that painting. I was saying goodbye to him while I painted that one. It's not for sale. It's on my walk. Um... But, you know, like, I, I got the exhibit done, and then I think part of it helped me keep it together, right? Because I had this show coming up, and I was determined to stay focused and send a, a real uh, message. So I did thousands of dots, and I filled an entire art gallery with tiny little dots and sparkles and gems uh, to raise awareness to autism. And hopefully, like, by doing the dot art, what I'd hope to achieve was to kind of blow their minds a bit. Like, you know, make them, because, like, they think of us, and I wanted them to see autism in a different way. So what I was showing off there a bit was actually the detail that I think with, you know, these are incredibly detailed paintings. Uh, a lot of people thought they were glass beads, like, because of the way I was careful to raise the paint up. Um, they were described as beadwork, but it's not actually beads, it's paint. And, um in the media, they said it was beads, but it's not actually beads. Uh, that was in that painting. It's all paint. But, so, yeah, so, I, I went into yeah, that, that was... show, too. And, and that was part of why I got that award as well, is because, like, for, because I do stuff like that. Yeah, so see, yeah, that, that was, that I think that, that was, a, yeah, that was a very huge project for yourself that you did for autism. I think everybody, didn't everybody enjoy that show? Yeah, in a lot of different cities, and actually we had people come from another province to see it, too. So there was actually, like, people that traveled for hours just to come and see that show in North Saskatchewan. They came from Saskatoon, and they came from Edmonton, and they came from Regina, and somebody from Red Deer came, and uh, then they came from towns around, and also the schools came to see it, too. Yeah, it's a lot of so, places. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it 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 was actually like uh, it it actually that I was quite pleased with the results and and the amount of conversation that it generated um, for raising awareness for autism. And um, yeah, I think it 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 uh, raised a lot of conversation in our area. Like we know what autism is here now. Back then, we didn't, right? So nobody no, knew. You, nobody you knew, knew anything about it Yeah, I was freaked out too because when I realized it was autism, and then all of a sudden I ran into the pity party, and there's all these people crying, and I'm like, oh no, what have I done? What do I have? You know, and all of a sudden I started to feel afraid by seeing the panic, and then I was like, smart up, you were fine yesterday. Um, so when you see a bunch of people panicking like that, it can kind of like have a mass hysteria effect. And cause other people to panic too. So, but I like just take some of the pity out of it. Like, we can be real. I mean, you know, it's not always easy, especially when you have co occurring things and stuff like that. We can be real and talk honestly about it. Um, We can do that without having a big pity party. Because you and I both know that pity doesn't get us nowhere. We're tough chicks. Oh, yes, you t- yes, children are tough. <laughs> no, we're tough chicks. I'm tough and you're oh. tough. Oh, yes. 
Yes. You know, we we're, don't need that pity. We're strong souls. Yeah. We're strong souls. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, hey? Definitely. It's a long journey. And um, so we had a special show I done last Monday. Um, we had, had two other poets came on to the show. And nice. we also had also dot to listen to the show last for last Monday. Um, lifestyle connected. Um, we also had Dr. Lawrence came on. And nice. Dr. Lawrence Dr. Lawrence came on and talked about the nonverbal autism. Right. And so that was a uh, yeah, it came out very good. You know, um so he talked about a lot about that and um we all had something to say on it. We you know, we add to it and then we, um, you know, we started to read some of our poems, and it was time for him to go, and and then we finished out with poems. It turned out to be from a two-hour. It was actually went into a three-hour show. Holy smokes! But it was a it was a special show because you know, for anchor and for the opportunities and everything that Leo and Charlie, you know, did for the autistic community. Right. So. so so I dedicate the show to them. <laughs> nice. Yes, I thought it was nice. So I had a special poem that I'm having um, tomorrow um, on Lifestyle. We're having um, Carol's coming on to play the harp tomorrow. And we're having a poet coming on to share. And then we're having Elizabeth um, to come on and we're talking to Elizabeth. And well, I'll be good tomorrow. I'd like to hear some harp. Yeah, so we're going to have a good show tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm a fan of the heart. She learned the heart really fast. What happened? Explain that again. She I what? said she learned the heart really fast. She's good. Yes, um, that's right. She's going to be, um, um, you know, putting up the shows uh, for all the shows that we've done and, you know, and showing the show put up a new show every week. So that's her oh. that's that's her opportunity and, you know, she got it and it's and it's kinda of exciting. You know, oh, to have somebody new to come and learn to help out for our autistic oh, community. Wow. Yeah, so, so what are we uh, doing with changing format then? Um actually that um on the anchor um radio uh, on the anchor page we're gonna be showing Uploading, um, Elizabeth's gonna be uploading the um, the uh, the radio shows that we've done in the past. Okay. So we get to, you get to listen to that, but we're coming to the uh, to the end. Right. And um, so that's something new we're gonna be doing. Okay. So kind of, you know, so the new thing is that any show that is good and you know and then. Then it's her. She she chooses what she's going to put up for that week and whatever's going yeah. on with the community. Yeah, it's going to be really. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be very good and 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 anybody else to can continue to listen to the shows and they can learn really? from it. Yeah. That sounds yep. great. Yes, it does. So we're gonna um, we'll have Elizabeth come on tomorrow, and she um, and then she, we're gonna talk to her and, and interview her a little bit, and she could share her her share that and um, 
have a simple poet to read some poems, and nice. and we'll have a we're gonna have a person to play the harp. And we have um, April April Cheyenne. Um, good break. Um, I actually is having a uh, her new experience. She's been in a week by me, and oh, yeah. so we have her, so we have her here. I I went and <laughs> and I commute and I drove all the way to her and picked her up and brought her to my house. Really? So she'll be here with yeah. So she's really excited. <laughs> So she's, really join, she, she's jo- joining her time. So it's going to be, you know, and then you can figure uh, by September she'll go back to college. So it's oh, all good. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so we did that. And what else? Um, we took a drive today out east. So I showed her out east cool. today a little bit. Yeah, so that's part, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, part of this different parts of Long Island. Right. You, know, you got out east. You got uh, Long Island. So it's a very long. You got different townships. You got you got out east in different areas of out east. You got um, sure. You got the Bay Hamptons. You got um, West Hamptons. You got the East Hamptons. You got the Hamptons. You got um, the South Hamptons. Mm-hmm. You got um, other areas of east going. Other townships of east going towards that. You got Riverhead. You know, you know what's crazy? I'm actually like, okay, I'm from a totally different country, and when you're seeing the the different towns in in Long Island, I'm actually familiar with your community's names. Like, <laughs> actually, I just realized I actually know a lot about Long Island. But keep going. <laughs> yeah, and um, you got the different townships, and you got um, you got the southern uh. Uh, Suffolk, you have Nassau, um, that's another part, that's not, and you got the different towns, you got Sayville, you got Babylon, you got West Babylon, you have North Babylon, you have, um, you got Lindhurst, um, you got, those are the other towns, Amityville, Massapequa, um, you have Wyandanche, you have Copaig. Um, you have um, the college where we have a very big college up on Nassau County, so that is the Hoffa University. We have Stony Brook College up in, um, and then you got another Stony Brook College out east towards the Hamptons. So you got another one out there, and then you got um, other areas of going out east. You got um, there. You go by the water. Um, you got. Um, you could go. There's a place you or your point. You could go pick up the ferry, and you could take across to Connecticut. You could take across that way. You could go to Port Jefferson, and then you can pick up a ferry there. And but if you go to Connecticut from Port Jefferson, it takes you to a different place. If you go right. take a ferry from or a point, it takes you to another point of Connecticut. Uh, so it all depends where. Connecticut is very very big state. It has a lot of different areas to that. And then there are some areas like Orange County, there's an autism school there. Um, so they have that out there. And so definitely you know, Rochelle from Joss, where Joss is, he's in Rochelle. You got um, these all the different places over the bridge of um, Sock, Knock, Sock Neck Bridge and takes you to different places towards and part of New York and before you go into Connecticut. To out of New York, and yeah, Rochelle, we have all those things too. 
then you go into the other states. So you, you got you got to go to I-95. So I-95 takes a lot of different areas. And if you don't know where you're going, you can get lost. And, um, and then you got Montauk Point. You got the end of Montauk Point. So the end of Montauk Point takes you by the lighthouse and beach. That's the end of Montauk. Right. So that oh, that's that's another area, and then you got bright waters, and that's part of West Bay Shore, and you got it's near Bay Shore. So bright waters is like where it's like the like mansion houses. They're very where people have money. You have around the lake. There's five lakes. It's really beautiful. Five lakes in the um and bright waters because it's a bright water lake. So you see all these huge houses, very big houses. you got the, the Hamptons area, or the East Hamptons. you got a, some certain areas are you going to have these big houses, and they, they have a, you know, a mailbox, and they have the gate. So it's very, you know, like very important things of uh, a lot of people, their um, business out there. you got got um, stores at the Hamptons, so that's where it costs more money. So anything out east costs more money because people sell things more. Like a hat, probably in a regular store, probably costs you 15 to $30. And probably a similar hat out east probably costs you probably close to 100 So it wow. depends on, you know, it depends on where you're going. And, um, and there are certain things out east you can't afford, and there's a lot of things you're not going to afford. And the clothing really? store just... It was. I went into this one store, and it was a clothing store, and you know, like you know, different type of clothing. And there, they were selling, you know, the women underpants. You know how much it costs? A hundred dollars. I said, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I could. I could not. I could not have laughed. I said, you serious? That's <laughs> like. That's like. To me, that's over. 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 Right there. It's over the top. Yeah, but that's you got, really like, job, man. <laughs> but it, it was a humor thing. It's like you think, because you normally, you know, normally, um, you know, they cost twelve, fifteen dollars, and you're talking about, right. and you think that, and you think that's a lot of money, <laughs> and then you go into this place, and they one hundred dollars, like, uh, let's not go near it. <laughs> it's too much money. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I just, you know. Yeah, it all depends. You got different shoes. You got, you know, it all depends where you're going. So you got out east. You got, um, you know, the Rive area. So many different areas. You got, the, you know, the hospitals where, you know, Nassau County. You got Farmingdale. You got Farmingville. You got, um, you know, um, another another other areas. You know, near there too, off uh, <coughs> Nicholas Road. Right. Or known as ninety five or Nicholas Road, you got um one twelve you know towards Method and takes you to Port Jefferson, so you got all those areas now all those areas by the water, so that's also high you know they have a lot of areas I've never been where the big mansions where people have money, so there's a certain area in Port Jefferson and all that, so I'm not too sure where that exactly is, so you have that you have um you know. Like anything else, you're going to have, um, they're going to be certain areas are going to be, you're going to feel, you know, driving through, you're going to feel more comfortable. Other areas are not going to be, is, you know, you know, good situation. So it all depends on, and sometimes it's how the town looks. So you know that it's a little bit more, 
you know, you could tell from the challenges there. And not only, like, good challenges, you know, it's like, you know, if you have to be strong and not, you know, how to to go through there because you're not too sure what's going to happen. So it's, the, you mm-hmm. know, those type of areas you want to try to, you know, avoid yourself mm-hmm. not to be there. So it's like knowing what's good. So you got some good school districts, some are not as good. You got some gives you more service support, some might not give as much. So it all depends on, and I guess that's anywhere in around the world. It depends where you are and what they know right. and whether we're able to offer or of support. And right. um, out here, there's a lot of things. Um, New York has probably different things of helping out with uh, with disabilities. Um, but self-directed is um, is 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 going to be it's like number one out there because it's more involvement with the kids. They get to eat, live an independent life, and that's what you want. And they get right. higher, higher help. And again, too, is people concerned because it supports a lot of things out here in New York. It supports by Medicaid, straight Medicaid. Oh, yeah, so I've been Medicaid. watching the protests from your country. Yeah. It's straight Medicaid. It's not about medic- medical. You could deal with, um, you know I mean, if whatever cutbacks you could deal with. But what I don't, it's what people were, were trying to vote it down or take away. I don't know if they really understand the whole thing. It's it's, it's going to affect so many people, April. It's not just uh, 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 the people with the disabilities, but also the workers because it's right. their job. Do you understand? So it's not just the disabled. It's also the workers can be affected. Um, and, again, self-directive is number one. It's a very good quality of nothing's perfect out here, but it's more, it's more highly qualified. Quality, and it's and why the government likes it because it saves it saves fifty percent of it costs fifty percent less money than a group home or an institutionalized for an individual, right. and you get and you get more support and you get more hours of help to self direct okay. than you do than a group home. And right. it's good about it, especially noise sensitive, and, 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 it's, and you don't want to be around other people because one yeah, to see person. Yeah, that's my son. Like we thought a group home wouldn't be right for him, um, because he wouldn't like living around a lot of other people. Actually, he wouldn't. So, um, so, so, so we decided not to do that. Self-directive is um, is living it either lives with the family, the parents, or their own house. With yeah, that's health. what we're doing. I guess like well, we don't call it self-directed, but that's what we're doing. It's, very yeah, it's the same idea, but yeah, I understand this. It's the same yeah. idea, same principle. It's just out here. I get it. That's what they call it out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you, know, you have a say what you want for your life. That's the difference. Well, that's good though. But a for, that sounds like a good leaves, idea. You have your own choice, you know what I mean. So you could have classes. So, so if you're, mm-hmm. um, so let's say um, another person um, has that career path that your son is really interested in learning, they they could come and give him a class. So he we do that. So, we we call it mentoring. He has like mentoring. Mentors. You call it? That's cool. Yeah, call he mentoring. has mentors that help him work on what he's interested in, like trade. So. You know, like, yeah, to help them, like, learn about things and help them learn to work. So this is where, um, you know, 
this is what's important about self-directed. It's more important out there. It's more it, medical. Don't get me wrong. It's important, but the concern is because it's all part of straight Medicaid, and Medicaid is medical. Medic uh, for medical for Medicaid, it's not like it's you know. Depends on what doctor you have, so it could be good and it's just like any anything else. But the Great. importance of straight Medicaid is supporting the self-directed program to give the individual a a, a, um, a place to live independently by themselves or with uh, higher help or somebody to be there if they can't be by themselves or to share a home with somebody. So they have all these different choices because it's individual based. So Great. some. Some people with autism or other disabilities, some might have 30 hours of higher help, some might have 50 higher help, some of them will get 25, depends on their uh, level of um, of understanding the world around them, is how much they, uh, how much, you know, how much, you know, what they know out there are able to speak for themselves, can they share their own story, and if they can't, then they, they, then the other ones can step in and you know, knowing what the, the loved ones like, and then they have to be supported with that. So it's all it's all interested in the stuff like that. You know, what I mean, it's it's all good. And then if a person is not there, they have to. Uh, hopefully, they set that up to provide a care person there for if something happens. You know, with the parents, so it's they have to come up with something. You know, to help them. But you just gotta do some praying because you know we don't want. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want that program to be effective, and so hopefully for the best. What's going on in this world, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, mean on that. So um, yeah, yeah, it's it's all it's all good. It's all it's all good, and I um, everybody has their own hire the who they want. If if they doesn't work, they could they allow to hire and fire who they want. They have their choice. Okay, in that. that's what we do here too. So, so you have a right. So if you don't feel comfortable and it's not working, then I go to you a different doctor. Yep. Different, different doctors for. Yeah, if I don't, if I'm not comfortable with the doctor, yes. then I'll go to a different doctor. Like if I go to a doctor and I'm not comfortable with the doctor, I'm never going yes. back to that doctor. I'm not. I only go to doctors that I'm comfortable with. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not going back. And that that is, like, uh, you know, uh, yes. It's 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 you know what it. I gotta be able to trust the doctor. And if I feel awkward, if I can't talk to them, if if I feel like you know they're not listening, then I won't go back to that doctor again. I just won't because it's too embarrassing to go back to a doctor that isn't listening. Why would you? You know, so I want to go to a doctor that I feel like hears me and takes me seriously. And I'm not saying, like, the doctor's got to be, like, giving you the best customer service. They don't have time for that. They're busy. They're in a hurry, and they don't get a lot of sleep. Um, So I just need them to listen to me and hopefully figure out whatever's wrong with me. Um, But if I feel awkward, I'm not going back. I'm going to go to a doctor that I can talk to because, I mean, if I can't talk to the doctor, it's not going to work. No, it's not. And sometimes people don't even think about that, and sometimes people keep going. And sometimes sometimes when people follow um, whatever the doctor says, and sometimes it, it just doesn't work for them, and even though they still continue going, it still doesn't work for them because then you see their health deteriorates 
and that's what's said about it, when they don't follow um, suit to it. When they don't say this sucks or this is hurting me. Because I like to give, like, I like to hear that a doctor is listening. I need a doctor to listen. Like, I want the doctor to care how my antidepressants make me feel. You know, like, if I'm trying an antidepressant, I want to know that the doctor is aware that I'm going on a new medication and we're not sure how my body is going to react just yet. I've done this a few times, so I know we need to watch. Because if it's not good, I could get really depressed all of a sudden. Um, We don't want that to happen and not be supervised. So if I'm starting a new medication until I'm into, like, the fourth week and we know I'm doing good on it, um, because you got to take them over time too, right? So I think it's important to supervise people when they're starting new medications. It's very important. And, and like, also if you're starting a new medication and you have a reaction to that medication during the four-week span when you're getting on it, and, you know, like, I don't think you should be held responsible for what happens if, you know, you're not being adequately supervised. Um, you need to have supervision and support to go on and off medication. And I think doctors should kind of watch that. If, you know, supervise it. Of course, they're not going to be the ones watching it. But, you know, to make sure that there's a team watching it or somebody watching it. If you have support at home, if not, maybe you need to be in a hospital to start, start the medication. <clears throat> you know. So, and I think... Are um, you on it now? I, are you taking no, it no, now? No, no, no. Right now I'm not. So right now it's kind of tough. I'm all self um, doing it on my own right now. So that's okay, though. I'm actually, like, I'm doing better this week. I was kind of down there last week, really down. Um, but I had a lot going on, a lot of hurtful stuff. So, you know, I wasn't in a good place, but I'm trying to come back from it. I had some bad social, like, really, really, really bad social experiences that you know, I'm like, not sure. I, I wasn't sure I wanted to talk ever again. Like, you know, sometimes I want to stop talking forever, like just never speak again. And I get that urge. And that's kind of how I was feeling. I was feeling like I never wanted to talk again. You know, I have to be growing up and pull up my big girl panties and get out there and talk. So I do. And, and, uh, but, but, yeah, I was kind of down last week. I had a lot going on, and, and I needed a break. I probably need a vacation soon, Maria, just from everything, and have a nice vacation. Sometimes people take vacations, and I haven't taken, like, a vacation vacation, like a real vacation. I haven't taken a real vacation in probably 18 years, 19 yeah, years. In 19 and years since I've had a real vacation. Are you planning to go soon? What's that? Are you planning on taking a trip soon? Yeah, I think it's in my head. I need to get a break. Um, so, yeah, I think a vacation would be just awesome. So, yeah, I'm doing okay. I know I'm not on medication right now. Um, but, like, I'm just really, yeah, I'm not going into this hospital again to ask for medication for depression. Um, I'll go to, like, Alberta if I need medication. Um, I'll go visit my mom and see a doctor. Yeah, Mike, maybe you need, if about doing something different, maybe you need to do some things different or, like you said, a little trip or something or take a little drive somewhere. And yeah, I think a little trip get would away. be really good because I think, like, you know, like most people, they do have vacations. Um, I think I should take a vacation. I like to go somewhere else and not know anyone and, like, not talk to anyone. 
and hang out on the beach by myself for a while. That'd be fun. Well, you could do that while um, you do that with the kids. And like you know, the kids can come too, you know, but like just go, enjoy a beach, enjoy a beach that isn't, like we have beaches here because we're lake people, we live by lakes. But I mean, I would like to go sit by a different lake for a little while because even though we have two really fantastic, awesome lakes with lots of good fishing, I would still like to look at a different lake sometimes or something else. So I'd actually like to take a little vacation to another lake also, I like to go to the mountains. I want to go spend a week in the Rockies. But in not Rockies? in Jasper or Banff because I can't afford that. I'd like to go spend a week in a cheap town in the Rockies, in a cheap, cheap hotel. The worst hotel in the Rockies, I want to go stay there. The cheapest one for a week. Yeah, I guess, and go somewhere else, so. It's just about a yeah. room to stay, and then long as you feel safe there. So the least expensive hotel you go to that you feel safe and comfortable. Yeah, in the Rockies would be okay. I think any hotel would really be okay. I don't think I'll find a cheap one easy, so but but <laughs> it would be worth a try. No, I'm actually really thinking about going on vacation soon. Going to go by yourself, or are you going to go with your No, like family? I'd like my kids to come. Like, I'd like to go on a family vacation, like, just a vacation all of us. But not, like, we go on vacation to visit Grandma, but I'd like to go on a vacation to a place that has no point. <laughs> like, I'm just going for a vacation. Let's go relax for a week somewhere and look at things and see things we haven't seen before and sit by a different lake. That's good. Mm-hmm. Gives you something to do. You can take pictures. You love to take pictures. So it's been it's been yeah. a while since you take pictures. Like I, I would you love to take, take pictures. You haven't taken pictures in a long time, right? You haven't taken pictures in a long time. I haven't. It's because I haven't been going out as much. So I do need to get out. I need to see something new and go take pictures again. Take pictures of the lake and take some pictures maybe of your plants or your vegetables. The things that you plant yeah. in your yard. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I'm going to have to get back yeah. into that. <laughs> Remember, you did that, and you used to make um, stuff, you know, with the computers and stuff. You haven't done that either, right? With the photography. No, I haven't. I've been kind of, you know what, maybe I need to pull up my socks here and start doing stuff I like again. <laughs> Those things used to make you very happy. You remember that when you when you were not, when you're feeling when you were feeling when you're feeling down or sad, when you used to go ahead and and, and took uh, photography of weddings or you did stuff on the computer with your photography, you managed everything on your computer. It seems like you know you you, you know it helped you. Yeah. Well, I broke my computer, so I have a computer right now. Like, my kids have computers, but, like, like they're at the ages everybody needs their own computer, um, really. Um, so, so the kids got computers, but I don't. So, mostly I'm just on my phone now. Like, I use my phone to type. Um, so, it takes me forever to type now. So, I've been doing, like, I've been doing less writing, and I haven't been doing, like, any programming. And I haven't been doing any graphic stuff lately, either not making any websites, because I don't have that kind of access anymore, like, I need my own computer. It's got to be my own, and I don't like anyone else to touch it. 
um, before I'll start programming and things like that. And when I get into graphics, I like it all set up one way. If somebody else is using the computer with me, I won't be able to handle it. I have my own. I have you to do those things. Have... Yeah, like I like it. The kids have their own computers but because, like, they're learning and they got school and they got, you know, their kids' stuff, so they need the computers more than me right now. Like, my computer broke. It's just old. Um, but uh, they're, 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 like, I mean, the kids have computers, um, but I need to buy a new computer for myself soon, and then maybe I'll do computer stuff again. But I think also oh. because, like, I don't know, I haven't been that... Maybe it could be. Maybe it could be. Yeah, like I could just buy another computer and quit being cheap. I could do that. (laughs) I might buy another computer soon. So I'm just thinking about now for Christmas. Could be a Christmas gift. Yeah. No, it's like, well, I could break down and I think I'm going to buy a new computer soon. But first, I'd actually like to go on a vacation. Do you want a PC or you want a uh, a Macintosh? Maybe a um, Mac. You know, like both. Um, one of each. No, just kidding. I'm getting. I'll probably the G set. Um. A Mac because the Mac is uh yeah. Back in the day, I used to have a Mac, a PC, and a Linux. It uh, actually I had two like back in the day when I had a web design company. I had a Mac, a PC, and a Linux, and uh, actually I had like the two. Two PCs and the Mac and then the Linux box, like, and then they were all networked together, and then there was the kids' computer. Um, but yeah, I used to have lots of computers, and now I have none. So I'm not as geeky as I used to be anymore. I think I looked at, like, once I saw Windows Vista, I was like, that's it, I quit. Um, I'm done with computers now. Um, yeah. So, have you make paper? Well, I have you make paper? <laughs> I said I do need to have get you back into paper? it. Yes. Need have what? You made no, I haven't made any paper in a long time either. Like I'm not even making wow. jewelry anymore. I just I haven't felt like doing any of that. So I'm kind of geez, I'm not as exciting as I used to be either. <laughs> oh, I remember you used to say, and I say, oh yes, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna I say you're gonna make me some, and I say I'm gonna use it. <laughs> yeah, oh, one day. I actually have one to day. make some paper here. Yes. Maybe I'll yeah. do that as a summer project. Yeah, I'd love to have some paper and to have that package sent to me. That'd be that'd be nice. Yes. And then get yeah, the actually, do you need to get back into those things? Actually. Because then also yeah. you could you know you could probably sell it and you know I can sell it I'm good at it and it does make me happy. Yes, I know. You, I remember you used to talk about it. You, you used you enjoyed doing all that types of photography, like the computers, your website. Um, you actually made um, some some of your artwork that you did differently style that you you put together and on a site. Yep. Like a little video clip. And oh, yeah. you remember you showing that and you were how yeah, I remember that. You were so excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I gotta get back into that stuff. You're right, Maria. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Sometimes you don't see it and you need someone else to point it out. <laughs> yes, and yes, because we're very intuitive and um 
this is, that's when you when you don't do something you like, yes, then you can feel that and you feel that's when the sadness comes in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta and have then, stuff we like. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I don't know if you saw the story too, it's like they they posted I don't know what the truth if it's true or not true, but they posted the oldest doctor that we have. And it's still in practice. She's still in practice. She's 90-something years old. She's a surgeon. Wow. And um, and she still practices surgeries. And she all her surgeries she done was successful. Not no, not she, not uh, all her surgeries she done. People was all very successful. They said, and she, and she says by keep doing something she loves, it's what keeps her going. Yeah, it keeps her young. So yeah, it's, a, it's like I a good theory. Like, yeah, I don't like forced retirement because sometimes they force people to retire and then you see it soon as they retire, it's like they're all sad and stuff and lost yeah. and they don't really want to retire yet and they still feel strong. I don't think we should have like a set age. No, because what happens is when you don't get to do your job because they don't want you working anymore because of your age, then it's somehow not able, and that comes out of your routine. I think that loses your purpose. Yes, and then and then your health sometimes um, affects your health, and, you, and then your health deteriorates, and you get very sicker. Because I hope I can do it forever. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember a lot of people do that. You know, you know that's part of that. It goes into you know. They lost when they're not able to do mm-hmm. things. Then there was um, a story. Some guy, so I don't know if he was a high school student or what it was. He um, he went to helping other people have like lost memories and stuff and find out what they used to do. And he actually got a piano to come there. And they he 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 found his band person he used to be in the band with. And he came back and it was still alive. And they actually played. And he played for the first time in many years. And he actually became happier, and he was mm. able to remember. He was able to remember his stories again, and remember it because all time is you know he lost his memory. But when this person brought back his old band person, and brought a piano, he started to play. He like he never forgot, and it just brought joy. And then people got like a people got to see him play. Right. And that's it. And that's what he was missing for all those years. It was like a lost him. But a younger mm-hmm. person saw that. So a younger person saw that, and and he made it all that happen for him. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the point of the story. And, you know, sometimes when you don't get to do what you used to love, then, you know, people don't realize how much the impact it takes on our lives. Yeah, that's, uh, you probably have some really good points there, Maria. Thank you. Yeah. So anything else you'd like to share? And then we could, you know. No, I just want to say thank you for all the time you've given us and all your hard volunteer work, Maria. And thank you for everything you've done, and thank you for being my friend. You're welcome. And we'll have a good night. And we're going to see if we can find a song. We're going to play. We can find April's song. Remember, mm-hmm. um, Good Break. She, she sings. Mm-hmm. 
she plays um she plays um four or five different instruments too. So this is Oh her. wow. This I'll let you hear this is her so or music. <laughs> Thank you. 